This is episode 45, and today it's a continuation of last week's episode. We'll be talking with two new mothers about how they dealt with maternal mental health and postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. It, it's so hard and you like I felt cheated that people weren't honest with me about what being a first-time mom like no. everyone's like sleep now oh, you know God. you won't and I was like that's the dumbest thing oh, you can't bank your sleep hours hey moms are you tired of being tired or maybe yelling at your kids or maybe you need to know how to get your strength back postpartum or learn to manage your stress trying to do it all or just to become a more confident mom? If so, then welcome to Citrus Love, keeping motherhood inspired. I'm Christiane Bégin, a mother of two, sharing inspiring conversations with wonderful people on how we can be mentally and physically stronger moms, and also including freshly squeezed ideas, a little bit of fun, so you can learn how to find balance and also how to raise strong, caring, confident kids in today's world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Citrus Love Podcast. Thank you for joining me today in part two, following last week's episode about maternal mental health for the month of October for mental health awareness. And today we have two new mothers sharing their journey through postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. And what's interesting is Every mother that I've been speaking with have had different reasons why this happened. It doesn't all have to follow the same patterns. While last week, the intro I focused on kind of giving a little one-on-one -on, -one on what's the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression, the spectrum of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. I just want to focus on some coping techniques before we listen to these two mothers because it's great to know what it is, but what are some ideas? ideas of how you can learn to adapt to these stressors that might appear when you become a mom, when you're in your postpartum phase, some things you can do and try at home if that doesn't work. And if you feel you have a more severe form or you're not sure um, it's still not getting better, then please, please, please ask for more support and seek professional help with that. So the coping techniques I'm going to talk about are taken from Karen Kleinman's book, This Isn't What I Expected, about postpartum depression, and she's an international expert on postpartum depression. I thought this would be great to share because you can try. We often get repeated the same ones, such as sleep when the baby sleeps, and um, try to eat healthy, and try to have other people help with chores around the house, and taking care of your other kids if this isn't your first one. So why not give you other ones that might inspire you? Take it or leave it. So here are a few coping techniques you can maybe try. The first one is set limit. And this is mainly to prioritize your well-being. 
Setting limits, it can be around visitors. I was speaking with another pregnant mother and it's her actually first time having a child and she was like, oh, it's so rude. I can't say no to someone that wants to come and visit me and the baby. That's so rude. You need to do it. If you don't feel great that day, even if they're just arriving in an hour, send them a message, call them, tell them. Second thing, accepting phone calls. Honestly, when my phone rings, I don't answer all the time. Sometimes I'm busy doing other things and it's not the right time. We all have caller display or most of us do. So you can always call them back when it's more convenient for you. And you know how you feel. So put limits when it's needed. Another thing to consider are what are your postpartum stressors? and to delegate them or lower your standards. So you don't need to wash everything. Just wash the basic like underwears, pajamas. I'm sure you have tons of t-shirts or tops you can wear, um, baby's pajamas and things like that. And keeping one room clean helps during the day, stay in that room. So this way you're not stressed because that room is clean. Another thing is watch anything that makes you feel good. Don't watch depressing movies. It's really not the time to watch those movies. Like corny movies, cheesy movies. I love my Hallmark movies. Also, you don't need to make your bed. Like honestly, if that's not something that makes you feel good, just leave the bed unmade. Basically, you're going to go back to that bed in a couple hours to nap. Another idea, treat yourself to something new. Anything that you like, order something online. This is for me. I'm treating myself, even if it's a good box of chocolate for myself, anything goes. Another idea of how to cope when you have little kids at home, that's tougher for them. They'll be missing their mama, asking where you are, maybe how come you're not doing activities or playing with them. An idea would be to buy them little surprises in advance, hide them. And after you've given birth, sometimes they really want you and you've, you're you just empty. You can't. So give them each a little surprise. And trust me, it's going to keep them busy. So they'll still feel like you're thinking of them. You thought of them. And that's going to be appreciated. Um, screen time. I mean, that's another option. Another thing to feel good, go for a walk outside walking back and forth in front of your house get some fresh air one of the thing I've been reading up on is how to heal your body postpartum and actually the best meals are warm foods soups stews chicken broth protein cooked vegetables warm drink herbal teas anything that's warm that keeps the body warm comforted and it helps to heal another idea listen to something good can be to listen to a book on audible obviously if you're too tired you might not want to read this is a great way to do it if you're into music or sounds waves meditation these are all good options another thing get out of your bed don't stay in bed all day even though you wish you could stay in bed get dressed wear whatever you want whatever's easiest for you 
But get out of bed and wash your face, brush your hair, do braids or put your hair half up or clip a clip in your hair. Do it when you're trying to nap or trying to sleep at night and you can't sleep. You've been awake for 15 minutes and you keep turning and turning, turning, saying, ah, get up. That's something I learned and I've been doing this and in the book it says this as well. Because if you try to stay in bed when you obviously can't sleep, but you stay in bed, you are conditioning your brain to not sleep when you're in bed. So get up, always try again later. Crying is allowed. Let it out when it needs to come out. Don't keep it inside. It'll feel worse. Always set small goals. If you're saying, okay, today, as long as everyone's fed, I'm happy. Today, as long as I take a shower, that's a small goal. That's it for the day. This is a time to lower your standards. If you're a perfectionist, if you're one that likes to be really organized and likes your routine or someone that likes to do it her own way or someone that likes to take care of the household, this is a time to learn to let go and lower those standards. And I mean, they might be extremely low at times but what you'll need to get your strength back focus on your well-being mentally and physically to heal yourself and remember if you tried these coping techniques or other ones and are not feeling great and you need more help then please 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 don't suffer in silence reach out get that professional help and more support ask for help With that being said, if you know someone that could benefit from hearing either last week's episode or this week's episode about maternal mental health, sharing is caring. So send them the link www.citruslove.com slash episode 44 or 45. It's all about bringing more awareness, educating women and their families what can happen, what is happening so less women suffer in silence. So let's listen to our two mothers. So the first mother is Cindy Doyle. She's from Winnipeg, Canada, and she experienced postpartum depression with her son two years ago. Let's listen to her story. When did you actually think it was postpartum depression and not just like the baby blues or just transitioning into motherhood and the hormones that comes with that? Well, I had crippling baby blues. And definitely chalked it up to baby blues because it kind of did, like I was unfunctional for two weeks. Like I couldn't touch my child. I couldn't do uh, skin to skin. I couldn't sleep on the same side of the bed as him. Um, But then it lifted and I wasn't great. Although I had like, it was definitely dips and valleys. Um, But I had happiness on and off for a while until I started feeding my son like solid food. When we started introducing solid food, I don't know what about it? And like to say, looking back, I probably was suffering on and off throughout, but like I was coping. And then something about feeding him solid food just broke me. And I just like all the anxiety that I'd had in the first two weeks came back and like we stopped feeding him solid foods for like weeks because I just couldn't bear it. It was the weirdest thing and just really like spiraled pretty quickly to the point where yeah, I wasn't functioning again. So around six months, which I think is, according to my doctor, that's pretty unusual to be diagnosed with postpartum that late. Yeah, I don't know. 
just to understand exactly where you were at, how were you feeling about becoming a mom? Like we planned for him. I was wanted that in my life. I was positive. Like I was excited for it, for sure. Uh, I didn't like being pregnant, but in general, yeah, I was excited to be a mom. You give birth and the feeling you got, you said it was on and off. Were there triggers that kind of made you feel not as great? I had this crippling anxiety of harm coming to my son. And although I had no inclinations to harm my son, I became obsessed with the idea of me harming him, if that makes sense. So I really struggled. Like I couldn't sleep because every time I closed my eyes, I would just like, imagine these violent things happening to him and it's not that I wanted to do them and I never would but um mm -hmm. I couldn't I can't stop it from happening and just I couldn't ever sleep like mm -hmm. if he's in his crib I thought that somehow his crib would just catch fire like it was insane we had um a sound machine at first and I would just lie awake at night listening to the sound machine and I started to hear voices in the sound machine like I don't know. It was pretty crazy. I couldn't leave the house. Like, I didn't want to leave the house. It never felt safe. I wanted him to be safe, and I wasn't sure but he could be safe with me. <laughs> I think I was completely uneducated about postpartum depression and what it was. And the only thing I knew about it was what I'd read in the newspaper, which would be, like, a mom murders her children and then drowns herself. That's my only experience. So mm -hmm. when I was having these weird feelings after he was born, I immediately was like, well, what if that's me? What if that's me? What if that's me? And it just be like fully consumed me. Um, like a counselor or a nurse I went to meet with when I was struggling, she told me that when she first had her baby, the baby's room was on the second floor by the window. And she was obsessed with her baby, who's a newborn, in a crib falling out that window and like mm. it was completely irrational and there's no way it was going to happen and that's how I feel about like what my thoughts were there was no way I was actually going to do that but I was afraid that I would if that makes sense yeah. like it wasn't in me I didn't I didn't have the thoughts of doing it I had the fear of having the thoughts of doing it I was obsessed with him having allergic reaction I was obsessed with him choking I was obsessed with him you know like everything like okay of just generally to keep him safe that's not my personality at all. Like I'm very <laughs> relaxed, chill person. It was insane that I'd be afraid of these irrational because if we go outside, we might cross that bridge. And then what if he falls off the bridge? How would he fall off the bridge? I'm wearing him. Am I falling off the bridge? You know, like it was, it made no sense. So it was on and off. You said like the first six months until you actually um, consulted with a professional during the first six months, did you have anyone help you or tell you maybe you should see someone or was it something you decided on your own? My husband was really good. He was really good during the first two weeks. He was like, you know, I've read about baby blues. This could be baby blues. Let's wait up the two weeks and see how you feel. And I did feel not great, but better. So then we're just pushing through it. I'm like, the, my husband did support me. I think when I was having like a really hard time, he would just like give me a break. Um, and then it was at, at about the six, five or six months, whenever I forget when I started feeding him solids. Um, and then like when I really started to break down, he was, I told him that I thought I needed 
to seek help and he agreed and he supported me in that. So did you go to your general practitioner and said, you, here's how I'm feeling. I think I have postpartum depression. Yes. So she asked me a series of questions. Well, first I did an online questionnaire before I went in. I think what she really focused on was like my feeling of worthlessness and my feeling like my family would be better off without me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, it seems late to be diagnosed with this, but whether it's postpartum depression or just regular depression, you know, like you're responsible for taking care of yourself and a child right now. So I think we should begin treating it. So I don't even know if she did formally, like I say it's postpartum depression because looking back, I feel like you can follow, like in that moment, maybe I was downplaying how I'd been feeling. So in that first session, what did she tell you to do? She said I could go on medication because I needed immediate relief. Like I couldn't go on at that point. But then she said that if she was going to give me a medication that I needed to also find other resources because medication alone is not the answer. And um, in Winnipeg, we have something called the Women's Health Clinic. So she turned me, she told me to go to them. Well, she said if I have insurance, which I did, but I could get a counselor Um, But that if I wanted, I could go to the women's health clinic. And that's where I felt comfortable going. Because I guess when you're in your head, you're like, oh, I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. I don't need like a proper counselor. I'll go to these mom groups. That's what I ended up doing is I started attending mom groups through the women's health clinic. It was supposed to be once a week for six weeks, and then they rerun it. I only went two or three times. But I also found uh, a mom's group on Facebook that I joined. Suicide and Prevention Support Helpline highlighted and stuck to my fridge just in case I felt like I was going to kill myself. I was prepared. All things that gave me peace of mind. Women's Health Clinic really focuses on the acronym NURSE, which is uh, Nourishment, Understanding, Rest and Relaxation, Self and Energy. So anytime I felt low or not, it was on my fridge and I just always looked at it and I was like, okay, why do I feel like this? What am I doing today? Am I hydrated? Did, have I eaten? Um, go easy on yourself. It's okay that you're feeling like this. It's hormones and it's natural. And have you been resting? Like, stop doing chores. It, that, let the house go. It's okay. You know, have I gone to yoga this week? You know, things like that. So I really, so that was very helpful. Um, more so probably than the women's group, although I did, when I made time for the women's group, it was good. It was just sometimes I couldn't get out of the house. It was just too much for me sometimes. And I mean, for me, the Facebook group, it's just women will ask general questions about an issue they're having with their kid. And then like a hundred moms chime in and say, this has happened to me. This is just a phase. And I just found putting like energy into helping other moms about things I'd already gone through, like not even postpartum depression related, just, you know, why does my child's diapers keep leaking? Like things like that. (laughs) As a mom, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It was a positive distraction for me, I guess. Yeah. And and it makes you feel like you're not alone and you're not crazy. Everyone else is going. As a mom, I was redefining myself as a good, knowledgeable mom instead of this like, yeah, crazy person. (laughs) So your son, he's two. 
Um, how are they? Are you still on medication? Are you going to see anyone for help or you're, you've learned enough to do it on your own and with, I mean, you've got the mom groups and all that, so you can always seek some support there. Um, my first year going back to work started out being really positive, but it came really challenging because I tried to wean myself off the medication. And now I'm back on it because <laughs> that was a terrible decision. Um, but I just wanted to see, I guess, if I could come off it. Like, I'm sure anyone who ever takes antidepressants will have the impulse at some point to go off it. And not that there's shame in taking it. But also we're, my husband and I were talking about maybe trying to have another child. And although they say it could be safe, it's not really studied. So after weaning myself off of it, which was horrible, I ended up going back on it. And I'm pretty good, like, especially considering COVID and self-isolation in general. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy. I still have irrational fears about my son's safety. Like I get really nervous in parking lots, even if there's no moving cars. Like I mm -hmm. just, you know, but in general, I'm good. I'm still in that mom's group. I don't use it as often. Um, I have a really open communication with my husband. I'm not saying I have perfect days. I don't. We'll see. If we have another baby, I'm very frightened of what that might mean for me. I really want your year-old to see you like that, or three-year-old, I guess, probably. Knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? I wish I had looked into it more when I was pregnant. Like, I was very adverse to anything negative about being a mother or birth. Like, I refused anything that frightened me. I pushed down and I didn't want to think about it, but it doesn't matter. I should have looked into it. I should have been prepared for it. And I wasn't, and I should have had a better idea of what postpartum depression is and be ready for it instead of only having like these crazy outsider examples of the most violent, the most worse and understand that it's on a spectrum. And like, really I'm, I'm 38, like mental illness, is kind of new to me. Like you didn't talk about it when I was a kid. I didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think hopefully younger moms today are better prepared about it because they do know and maybe they will recognize it. Like looking back, I've probably had anxiety my entire life and I didn't even realize it until now because I do research about it and I really pay attention to my feelings. So that too, pay attention to your feelings, have someone that you can talk to, someone and don't hide it. The number one is taking care of yourself and taking care of your baby. So the number one thing, and, and you don't have to take medication if that's not for you. For me, it saved my life. I, yeah, so, but it's okay. Like you can't help it. It's chemical, you know, sorry. Mm -hmm. Do you I have think no advice. Clearly, I have it's no okay. Advice. It's okay. And it's going to be okay too, because when you're feeling depression, you forget that you've ever felt happiness and you can't believe that you'll ever feel it again. So I think that's the most important thing, that it's temporary. Whatever you're feeling, it's the worst feeling in the world. But you have felt happiness before and you will feel it again. Mm -hmm. So what makes you feel good? When you, you feel that it's one of those days, it's a bad day for you. What do you do to feel good? What are you doing for yourself that works? Um, I'm super social, so I try to... Yeah, do something I love, like talk, <laughs> connect with people. If my child's around, like he goes to daycare, but if he, he's nearby, then I give him a hug and I tell him that I love him. You know, I touch him, I smell him. That probably mm. sounds weird. <laughs> no, that's, that's what you need to do. That's I being know. a good mom. Yeah. Make him laugh, you know, and like I have 
a lot of regrets because I never did skin to skin. And I say two weeks, but probably for the first month of his life, I didn't really touch him except for to feed him. So now I just touch him like crazy, you know? So mm-hmm. that's weird to say I'm touching him like crazy. But, <laughs> but, you know, just, like, I embrace him and I wrap him up and I talk to him. Yeah. So that first month, who was um, holding him or was he on the floor or in his crib most of the time if you yeah, weren't holding him? Yeah, or I had a Moses basket that I brought around the house and I just put him in it on the floor and just check on him every 20 minutes to make sure he was breathing, every four minutes to make sure he was breathing and just, but yeah, I was afraid to hold him or touch him. I didn't mm-hmm. want to break it. Is there anyone that follows up with you because you're on medication and follow-ups on how you're feeling? Prescription every three months. I don't get refills. I check in every three months with my GP who I've had for years. And yeah, we always talk about it. How am I feeling? Is it still working? Do I think that I need it? Do I need it to go up? Do I want to try a lower dose? And then we just play it every three months. Yeah. And we think about it often. Um, and I do like, you know, you have to eat whole grains you have to eat, have your greens you you know you have to nourish your body and and yeah that's all I'm doing right now I'm coasting I'm doing good in general uh I have a friend who also had postpartum depression and sometimes we have deep talks about it mm-hmm. and that's nice it makes you feel like you're not alone and again I my husband checks in on me to be, see like how I'm doing I hope it'll be a different world in like a few years for new moms where they're more prepared, I guess. Yeah. You know, and hopefully none of my friends ever get it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if they do, you know, I want them to know what it is. And our last mother on this maternal mental health series is Shanae Burgess. And she's from Minnesota in the United States. And she experienced postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression with her firstborn when she became a mother and her son who was six months when we recorded this. So let's listen to her story. I think recently for me having have gone through it, I'm the first one of both sides of the family to have a kid. So, and it had okay. been, you know, and I was the baby of the family. So it had been 30 years before anyone had experienced it. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hello, <laughs> and, <laughs> what is this? Um, so it, yeah, it was definitely a different perspective and something you can't really, I would say, prepare yeah. for. You have one boy right? Yes. He's six months old. I saw he just turned six, six he, months yep, he old. He just turned six months old. Yes. Yeah. So you had your first child. And when did you start thinking maybe this might be postpartum depression? So we kind of have an interesting story. It took us several years to even con- conceive. Okay. Um, so we had to go through a lot of different things to conceive Abraham. And so with knowing that, you know, what we had to go through, it jumped my risk of having postpartum even higher. They usually say, you know, there's like top five reasons of why, you know, you will have postpartum and here's the highest ones that moms usually start, you know, experiencing it. And um, troubles conceiving is one of them. And then we had a difficult pregnancy as well. So it just added on top of it. So our, our provider was really good at telling us, you know, you've gone through these things. Let's be aware of what this can mean, you know, because you've experienced two of the hardest things already, and now you're going to come into being a new mom. So good luck, you know, (laughs) 
(laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I don't know what this means. I was prepared for baby blues. (laughs) Yes. So I think having the conversation sooner probably lessened the the severity of postpartum. Um, Because, you know, prior to having Abraham, uh, I would talk with my husband, we were very aware that, you know, I'm probably going to have a high chance of postpartum, you know, because of difficulty conceiving, difficult pregnancy. And then I had a C-section, which was completely new to me too. So, uh, you know, I would say it almost kicked in as soon as I had him because I didn't want to have a C-section. Like I felt robbed of it. It wasn't my birth plan. And we knew from week 20 that we had to have one, but I was still in denial. I was like, nope, (laughs) we're going to, something's going to change. I'll be able to have Mm. him naturally. So it it was hard for me, you know, really delivering him. And, you know, everyone shares that this is the most beautiful experience when they lay the baby on you. And I, like, I didn't, I didn't connect that way. Even Um, with a C-section? Yep. So after they, you know, kind of take them out, um, they kind of wipe them off, make sure everything's good. And they try to get them on you as soon as you, as you can. And that was wonderful. My providers were great at wanting that experience. Um, but I kept coming in and out, my blood pressure would drop. So I, I felt like I was like, just trying to like make it through the surgery. Um, so it was hard to be present in that moment because I was so in and out, in and out. Okay. Um, so I, w- I felt one, I was robbed of my delivery and two, I was robbed of, you know, the experience of bonding with him I- immediately because everyone's mm-hmm. like, it's so beautiful and you connect. And that wasn't how it was for me. So you kind of expected to have postpartum depression based on what they had told mm-hmm. you beforehand. So was there yes. anything you prepared in advance mentally or having some support ready in case? Yeah, so I was very open through all of it um, with my husband and and our families of like, here's what I'm, you know, probably going to go through. I don't know what this is going to look like because it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew like from the beginning, I had to just talk about whatever whatever's happening. They were very open. They didn't know what that looked like either, but they wanted to be supportive. Um, so then when I started developing it, it was like, I, I never had anxiety. Like I, I joke that my mother worried enough for everybody. So I never worried through life. And I was like, you know, everything's good. And I had him and I like, it was like almost crippling anxiety of random things for me. Like the thought of him bathing, just I like, I did not want to give him a bath. I was so afraid of water with a baby. I love the water. Like it was just like out of the blue. I'm like, okay. And so it was hard for me of like, where is this being a first time mom? And where is this being postpartum? Like it was a very hard line to understand for myself of what is normal and how do I overcome these things? Mm -hmm. And did you seek any professional help regarding that? I did not. So I um, am in, you know, constant communication with my provider again, you know, because we knew it was, you know, probably going to land upon me. um, We were, you know, really proactive. So I, when I go in and I bring, you know, Abraham to his appointments, we make sure we check in on where I'm at too and how am I feeling? And honesty has been key for me. I don't want to sugarcoat it. I want people to understand where I'm at. And that has been hard in some perspectives, but really good in others because there's no, anyone trying to decipher where I'm at. And really, I think where people start respecting my fear has been easiest on me, you know, like helping with it. Because if I can say I'm really afraid of this, it's not, he's fine, do it anyway. It's like, okay, why are you afraid? And that has been really helpful of Mm -hmm. like people just respecting it instead of telling me what it's going to be like. So when it came to things that it just 
crippled you and you were afraid like bathing your son, but you still had to do it. How did you work around those moments where it was just too much for you? Yeah, for me, it was, you know, I, one, I knew it wasn't realistic. He was never going to be in water in his life. Like that was just crazy. (laughs) So I, one had to realize we have to get through this. And then two is how are we going to get through it? So whether it was bathing him with a washcloth for a week or mm-hmm. watching, you know, if he's slippery, you know, and it was like, okay. And my mama come over and she, she's a bath lover. She loves water. I swear she's a whale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like comforting to me to watch somebody else bathe him and let him play in the water. And then it didn't have to be scary. And, you know, so I think the support of, they didn't just throw him in water in front of me because that would panic me. Mm-hmm. But it was like, what are you comfortable with? Okay, like, have you tried this? And it was more of like slowly implementing things to me to watch it happen. And then me doing it with him. You know, maybe it was me taking a bath and laying in the water with him of like, okay, I know we stay. And then he, he, he wasn't crying. He ended up loving it. But in my head, I'm like, this is dangerous. <laughs> it, it took, I, I call it my village of helping me see that it doesn't have to be so terrifying. and that, you know, patience was key for that for, with me. Mm-hmm. And how was bonding with your son on that level? Was it okay? Um, it took me a while. You know, everyone talks again about like, as soon as they're born, you have this beautiful, magical love and like, you do, but it was different for me. Um, and again, it was hard for me to decipher, is this first time mom or is this anxiety or it, you know, like what of these things is it? Because I, I loved him and I knew I would do anything for him. I didn't want my fears to become his, but I would say it wasn't until he got, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a few months that I felt like I'm getting the hang of it because I felt like I was just trying to survive, trying to understand him and get over these fears, deal with baby blues, postpartum, you know, there were so many factors and I, I felt guilty for not feeling that immediate connection of like, we understand each other. That's how I thought it was going to be like this cloud of rainbows and unicorns of like, you know, you just get it. And I I didn't, it was, it was a struggle for me. And it made me feel like it was hard for us to get pregnant that I felt guilty of, was I supposed to be a mom then, you know, so that like played into that postpartum of like, it's not coming easy. Am I meant to be a mom? Mm. What were specific thoughts that that you were having? Maybe that mothers listening could identify if they're having those thoughts too. Yeah. So I I think the biggest thing is I felt like I wasn't, I wasn't going to be a good mom. I, you know, I, again, I didn't have an immediate connection that other people say that they do. So I felt like, well, I I love him, but is he going to love me back? Because I'm not loving him how other moms love their children. You know, like I would say expectation versus reality. You can look on Facebook and it looks like it's so beautiful and so organic. And it made me question like, were people just not being honest with me? Because my expectation was so different than the reality of having a kid. I'm curious, what were you seeing that made you think other moms were connecting and you were Mm -hmm. not? Yeah. So I I think a lot of, you know, when everybody posts about, you know, in the hospital with this new baby and it was, it was such a miracle in this, I think they would describe it as a bond, you know, that like they just, they just were bonding with the kid and, you know, a lot of who I see, they got to have natural birth. So they were up and running right after. 
um, with a C-section, I couldn't move for two weeks. So I couldn't even grab my son when I wanted to. I couldn't change his diaper for the first week. You know, he wouldn't latch. So I couldn't breastfeed. Like it, it was just like one thing on top of another. And I saw it becoming easier for other moms. So I was like, I'm not made out for it. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Like you're being honest and if you're feeling this way and someone else is listening and feeling this way, maybe this would be like me too. Like just that feeling of you're not alone, you know, yes, and you're not yes. weird or not a good mom <laughs> or, you know, but it's because we don't yes. talk about these things because we're like, people are going to think, how awful are you to say this? Your mom. Yes. And yes. Like, like they're going to take away my baby because I didn't connect with them. And <laughs> like, yes. yeah, absolutely. And that's what was frustrating for me is I couldn't find help because everybody who, you know, would post about their experience with, uh, you know, having a baby and connecting, I couldn't relate to any of them. Mm -hmm. One, the people who were, you know, close to me as friends, they didn't struggle conceiving. And then mm. they didn't have to have a C-section, you know, so the people around me had nothing of a story like I did. Mm. And so I respected theirs, but I was like, I, I felt like nobody could understand mine. And mm. I, so it was like, where do I go for help? Because I'm, mine's very different. So your son is still young, six months. Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with everything now? Like, how are you feeling yeah. now? Oh, so much better. I started growing the bond. I understand what cr his cry is now, or if this is tired, or if this is I'm hungry, or you know, and it, like I, the more I understand him, the more I feel connected to him and where he's at. Because I was like, I do love you. I do know you. Like we are connecting. It just took us longer um, to understand what it was, and you know, for me not to be so afraid of the world because I mean we had him in March and the world like I think it was March 9th and the world <laughs> shut down on like the 12th <laughs> so it must have been tough I can't manage how it is having a child especially your first one in normal times it's tough but when you have to quarantine and it must be like triple time, time <laughs> all the emotions so because of this, how was it, how is it for you in COVID times to have a new baby? Yeah. So when he was born, I mean, everyone got to come into the hospital and stuff like that. And my thing is, it's okay for people to tell family that they cannot come and visit them in the hospital. It is so stressful. They all come in at different times. You just want to nap. Yeah. The nurses are there when people aren't. So it's like, mm -hmm. people don't come visit me. <laughs> Um, so we didn't really know what was happening until we got home. And that was like two days later, the world shut down. And so we kind of had to play catch up of like what's happening. We kind of knew about COVID, um, but we didn't know the severity because we were in the hospital for a week. Then with that, like we did isolate because you know, it was one of those things that we didn't know how bad it was with me having a C-section. It made me vulnerable. And now we have a newborn where I was like, I'm not about to risk this. I, you know, yeah. blood, sweat and tears went into conceiving him, <laughs> you know, pregnancy. And now of course he's born into COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so there was like, these are just like the odds of when people are like, it's 0.0001%. We're that 1% <laughs> of the world. So 
so that I think what you know it did add on top of things because again not only were we new parents and you know now we're trying to isolate ourselves which is it, it was hard I mean mm-hmm. I couldn't even move by myself for two weeks we're both new parents and everyone's like you know it's going to be struggle getting into latch but keep doing it and it was just like a fight like we just kept fighting with it and I was just it, it was it was hard and we got to a point probably a month in that we realized like those who are close to us, we have to let them back in, mm. you know? So like my mom would start coming more and my husband's mom, you know, she isolated too. So she could come and help out where we needed it. Um, and that was helpful, but it, I would say it didn't get easier until we were probably four, four months in or so, mm-hmm. because we're still like, he's still really young and mm-hmm. I'm not about to risk it. The part where you had tough time breastfeeding, were you able to breastfeed I would say for three months, we kind of fought back and forth and with it, and I would pump on top of it. So I would try breastfeeding him. If he wouldn't latch, then I would pump and then I would feed him. And then at three, probably two and a half, three months, I completely eliminated trying to get him to latch. Um, It was very overwhelming for me. And I like, it just added to so many of the frustrations of like feeling like I'm not good enough because I couldn't get him to latch. Mm -hmm. So I strictly pump and I feed. Um, Uh, I'm grateful that I've been able to keep up with that. It is extremely exhausting washing that many bottles and stuff throughout a day. Um, But I'm grateful that I can at least pump and provide and that we haven't had to go to formula yet. So you said that you didn't have any friends that had kids. How are you finding mothers to connect and maybe support you during your journey? That's a really great point and something I'm just realizing that maybe that's what I've been lacking. You know, when I was struggling with breastfeeding, I saw somebody on Facebook was like, hey, there's like exclusively pumping mom groups. I was like, what? (laughs) You know, and so I I think it was like one of the first days I got part of that group and I I wanted to quit. I was done. I was so over pumping and I was like, the formula is a great thing and I was ready to accept it. And somebody said, don't quit on a bad day. And that has just stuck with me of like, I'll quit when I'm ready and prepared for it, but I'm not going to quit because I'm frustrated. So like that was kind of an eye opener to see other moms who also struggled with getting their child to latch. And I was like, that doesn't make me a bad mom that my baby won't latch, you know? And it was just kind of like seeing that, but before that, and I would say that, I mean, that was at three months. So I had nothing. And then as I kind of started getting the hang of just pumping and feeding, I kind of just removed myself from the group because I was like, okay, I feel okay now where I'm mm-hmm. at. But I haven't found that next group of, you know, to, to support other moms either. Um, I, I live in a very small town um, and I think that's hard. So, I, I mean, living in a small community in general, um, I, I haven't really found my group of people that I connect well. And then our friends that we did have didn't really have kids or they have several kids that they're much older or they're at different levels. So we, I'm like, where's like the new moms? Um, <laughs> and so I don't, I don't know. I think that's something I'm definitely lacking. Um, and I'm, I'm just on my journey to try and find ways to connect with others that are kind of in the same, same point of life that I'm at. Mm. It, it's so hard. And you like, I felt cheated that people weren't honest with me about what being a first time mom, like yeah. everyone's like sleep now, oh, you know, God. you won't. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing. Oh, you can't bank your sleep hours. Like that's the advice you have to give me. <laughs> like, you know, I was like, you could have given me so many other things I know, <laughs> instead I know. of you know, catch up on sleep. And, you know, so that's where it was frustrating. Cause I was like, 
why are we not being honest about what it looks like? Mm -hmm. And it's just very frustrating is, you know, I I think I'm finding myself surrounded by people who like their lives to look really good, but they're unhappy. Mm. So, you know, I find that my Facebook community is very, you know, rainbows and unicorns. But then when you like catch up with them, you know, run into them at the store, they'll open up about more about the honesty. And I was like, I expected Mm. what you were putting out into the world as that was going to be my reality too. I felt so cheated of I'm the, I'm the worst mom because I can't do these things, but everyone else has it figured out. And, and, and you talk about them and they're like, Oh no, we had no idea. I was like, you know, and it was, I, I was just so mad. And I, like, I just didn't, I couldn't lean on my community because I was like, how many of you are being honest about it anyway? Mm, I um, so love that. I, yeah. So I really tried to like be open and honest and be like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what I was doing and it was terrifying me. You know, when I would ask like, how, how have other moms dealt with anxiety? And it was amazing that some people would like post, but they would private message me because they like, they were ashamed. Of mm, and yeah. I was like, okay, so we yes. are dealing with this, yes. but nobody wants to talk about it out in the open. <laughs> so let me ask you, knowing what you know now, would you have done anything differently regarding postpartum depression? Yeah, I, I really don't think I could have. Um, again, you know, having him born in the circumstances with COVID, mm-hmm. you know, it really was a lot of being put on on me. I'm like, yeah. how do I need people? And, you know, um, I think I would have maybe done a little bit of like getting my husband and I on the same page of what that looked like for me. You know, you have this child and I think you do a 360. You're not the same person when you leave the hospital Mm -hmm. at all anymore. Um, So that was hard because I couldn't even express to him really what was going on because I was like, I don't know who I am. You know, like I, I felt a little bit in survival mode. So I think it would have been helpful for us to kind of have a better understanding if we talk to people who had postpartum or, you know, like maybe had somebody like mediate, like, here's what she's going through and how she's going through it. So he could understand me. Cause he mm. was like, this lady is crazy. <laughs> you know? How did you look to your husband? How did I was completely you? shut down. So I was so shut down. I'm a very like bubbly, outgoing, fun person, never worried, pre-baby. Like I, I was fun. And then I have a baby and I am, I'm like, nothing. I have no emotion, no nothing. I, I feel like I'm in survival mode the whole time. So I'm sure he was a little concerned of like, right before we had Abraham, we're joking, laughing. And it was like, literally he came out and I was like, nothing. What would you need now for support um, conversations that would help you now? I think for me, what's been missing is people I can connect with. Our, our lives changed, but so did our marriage too. And I think that that's something that people don't talk about of like, how do you keep your lives? I mean, we were together for many, many years before we had Abraham. And now it's like, it's changed so much that it's only added to us trying to figure out these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think people who would open up about, you know, how they had their first baby and how did they survive with it? And what did that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's hard. It's so much more stressful than I thought it was going to be of how people are managing all the things and still making it look so easy. I'm like, are you, are you getting help and you're not telling us, <laughs> you know, do you have a nanny? Like, do you really do all these things? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would be my next conversation of how did you keep your marriage alive in the stage that we're in? 
husbands don't understand what being a mom is either. Mm. And it's hard, it's hard to get them to understand. You are so different than who you were before you had mm-hmm. a baby. And it's, it's amazing. It is overnight. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that to change. Cause I, you know, I, I took time for myself plenty before Abraham, even during pregnancy. And then the world shuts down. So not only was I removed from all the things that I like to do, I couldn't do them because everything was closed down. And as you get distant more and more further away from what you like to do for yourself, mm-hmm. you forget what it is that you like to do for yourself. Mm-hmm. And now to me it's, and I just was having a conversation with my husband last night of like, I need to find what it is that keeps me alive. I kind of feel like my fire is being, a, yeah. a little pilot is running, you know, and it's just getting by. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how to fill that bucket anymore because one, I never thought I'd have mom guilt ever. But I was just like, no, I will not feel guilty for dropping him off at, you know, his grandparents mm-hmm. leave. And I had that fear and that anxiety mm-hmm. that I can't enjoy my time away from him. So I was like, how can I start finding myself and remove myself from these is worries so I can enjoy myself when I'm away so I can be a better mom when I'm present. Yeah. And one thing I've learned and I had a tough time with this is um like I thought um being a good mom was just focusing on your kids. And my partner at one point he his parents are divorced so it that truly affected him and he's like I don't want that with my partner and he said what about me? Where's my time? And it was like, whoa, I have a baby. <laughs> like, excuse me, you're, you're number two. <laughs> and he was like, we have to take care of each other too. And until he said that, I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was like, okay, see you. I'm going to bed. I'm tired. I'm leaving, you know? And yes, I don't, I don't know where to go because I, I feel guilty because I am home. I can have him. But then I'm afraid sending him to to daycare, yeah, you yeah. know, with COVID. And you're just yeah. like, I don't know what's safe, but I know that I'm I'm losing myself. Mm-hmm. And I know that the repercussions of that is probably yeah. need some serious counseling later on in life for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've hit that point in life where I'm like, I don't like to sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, my husband says, calls it my bluntness. And I was like, no, it's just my honesty. And I get that sometimes it comes across too honest. <laughs> so I don't want to paint a picture that my life is figured out and perfect. Um, because it, it wasn't helpful for me when I would see that for other people. Thank you for listening to another episode of Citrus Love, Keeping Motherhood Inspired Podcast. If you think someone would enjoy to listen to this episode, please share it with them. You can share the link wherever you're listening or go to our website at www.citruslove.com episode and the number where you will find the episode as well as all the information about the guests or the specific episode. The best way to get our podcast ranked is by leaving me a review wherever you're listening. Two, three, four, five, six stars. Whatever you feel reflect podcast, this will not only let me know what needs to be improved as well as what you particularly love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll get the next episode. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys.